What'd you say? You, you didn't hear any of that. No? Why? Doesn't matter. Listen to this. This was posted by Lemontrop uh, as part of a thread on the Weatherfield weather vane. What's that? It says website for sad people by the looks of it. Because local matters matter. Very partridge. There's a Weatherfield yesterday section where people post old photos. There's one here of Weather High. Show me. to episode 147 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that, given the events of the week, fizzes rage at Tyrone's dalliance and his frankly ill-advised cancellation of a reconciliatory dinner date, can't help but worry about the contents of Fizzy's pie. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I am really sorry, okay, I had to take a poo. It's... What? Really sorry about, you know, the whole ship in the Suez Canal, alright? I was doing my job, had to take a poo, I'm only human! Only human, Gav. <laughs> the life of a of a Suez Canal pilot is not easy. It's Thirteen hours. Just had to take one poo. As someone who has followed you into the bathroom, I'm not entirely surprised <laughs> by this development. <laughs> <laughs> that was a ship. <laughs> that was a. It's a ship that probably has your Mac on it. <laughs> <laughs> or it's blocking the ship that's going to have your Mac on it. My new Mac that I'm very excited about mm-hmm. is potentially stuck <laughs> on a ship somewhere in <laughs> in Egypt. Yeah. Uh, oh well. Oh well. Isn't it interesting that after like a year of coronavirus and people dying in their literally in their millions and the threats to the economy that you know lots of people have been unemployed mm-hmm. it's been a disastrous tragedy for lots and lots of people mm-hmm. but the thing that's really threatening to bring down the economy now is a <laughs> ship that's stuck in a canal right it's a fairly big ship though it's massive <laughs> it's like a is it a kilometre or it's, it's it's bigger than the Empire State. It's bigger than the Empire State. It's stuck in a canal. We've seen ships that big. Yeah, go and through. Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie, the, yeah. the I wouldn't try and do a three-point turn in one of them, which no. is what it looks like someone's tried to do. Apparently the there was... Uh-oh. Apparently they were... They were going to run aground or they were going to crash into something, and so... There was a squirrel that ran in front of them. Something like that. The Egyptian squirrel. And so the pilot had to turn in order to avoid disaster, like a really bad crash and losing cargo and and crew. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And it's a miracle that nobody died. Right. But still. (laughs) Suez Canal pilots are notoriously awful because it's a a monopoly. You know, Mm -hmm. you go there, a pilot crew of pilots come on for 13 hours charge you exorbitant fees 
and then kind of fall asleep at the wheel (laughs) (laughs) and sexually harass your female crew. So that's in the job description. (laughs) Yes. In fact, it is. When I sign up. (laughs) Oh, you know, it was either it was I I was either going to make a crack on that or it was going to be cinnamon toast crunch shrimp tail guy but he got milkshake ducked so i didn't even want to get into it what <laughs> also i figured R- that random this- <laughs> purple monkey dishwasher words i'm not sure if, what any of that i've caught cinnamon crunch and i caught shrimp <laughs> and then the rest of it was just noise and also you have no idea who topanga is because you never what? watched Boy Meets World, so you wouldn't even be impressed by the fact that Cinnamon Toast Crunch Shrimp Tail Guy is married to the actress who played Topanga. Who also supposedly said really, ra- you know, was really racist on that show, so. Do you know what a milkshake duck is? Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. <laughs> no, I have no idea. No idea. See, and that's why I didn't use that one. See, I'm not sure what the joke was at the start anyway. I'm not sure if the joke was that one of your shits has blocked the Suez Canal. Or the fact that you were the one that was supposedly piloting it. That I was piloting it and that I had to go to the bathroom and that's what happened. Okay. (laughs) I ran aground because I had to go to the bathroom. Because I think my version might be funnier. Oh, well. (laughs) You don't know what a milkshake duck is, so. I don't. Do you want to enlighten me? A couple of years ago, the the Twitter feed, uh, Pixelated Boat, wrote a tweet that said, everyone's in love with Milkshake Duck, a cute little duck that drinks milkshakes. And then five minutes later, we regret to inform you that Milkshake Duck is a racist. But I'm Pumptish. Duck. duck is racist. The duck is racist. Yes. So ever since then, the term Milkshake Duck has referred to anybody or anything that gets like five seconds of fame and then five minutes later it's revealed that they're really awful people in some oh, way. Okay. And that's what happened with Cinnamon Toast Crunch Shrimp Tails guy. <laughs> this guy supposedly This guy supposedly found shrimp tails. Oh, I, I saw that. And it wasn't though, it was just and rat poo. It was and crystallized string. sugar, wasn't it? No, it doesn't look like crystallized sugar. Because crystallized sugar doesn't crystallize into like... Shrimp shapes, but... Right, yeah. So who knows exactly what's going on with that. But it delighted everybody on, on Twitter. Everybody on Twitter and kind of on Facebook were talking about it forever because his last name is Carp, which is kind of fish. And the actress who played Topanga on Boy Meets World, a beloved show in the Americas, um... We're her approaching last name, minute seven of you explaining the joke. Her last name is Fischl. Okay. And so it was funny because there's lots of fish. And apparently he owes an art gallery that currently has a picture up uh, painted by Jimmy Kimmel's daughter <laughs> called Shrimp Fingered Man. So there's, there's, there's so many levels to it. And everybody thought all these levels were delightful. But then all of a sudden, a lot of women, a lot of women started tweeting about the fact that he was kind of an asshole and awful and emotionally and physically abused them when he was dating them back in the day. So Jimmy Kimmel did? No. Cinnamon Toast Crunch <laughs> Shrimp Tail Guy. 
That so. seems like a wheel of, wheel of a time. So. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm glad I didn't go with that one. Because it would have taken too long to explain. Longer than... Because <laughs> the preamble is done. That's it. <sighs> it it's, it's all been... I've understood like... <laughs> 13% of the preamble <laughs> Which I think is something of a record Oh the pre-preamble Yeah Because now we're going to preamble Sure Shall we do that? Yeah Give me some of that crunchy Cory news <laughs> Helen Flanagan gave birth to a baby boy this week The former Rosie Webster welcomed her third child, Charlie Scott Sinclair, on March 21st, which is my sister's birthday. Mazel tov to Helen and her partner, Scott Sinclair. The soccer player, Scott Sinclair. Yes. The football player, Scott Sinclair. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry, Britain. (laughs) Just wait until you hear Gav say, gasoline and sidewalk. Petrol. Sidewalk, sidewalk is sidewalk. And I don't think I say gas now. I thought it I thought it was pavement. What did I say? You said sidewalk. I say sidewalk. Okay. I thought in the UK they called it the pavement. Oh they do, but I now say it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the joke. Yeah. That you say American stuff now. Well I'm in America, so it makes And you life are technically easier. an American now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well not even technically, literally. You're legally an American. American on purpose. American on purpose, yes. What a time to become an American on purpose. I've never been so confused. (laughs) I really have. People just aren't watching their soaps these days. What? Ratings are down for both EastEnders and Corey, as well as Emmerdale. Overall, television watching is down, supposedly. So just, not just your your soaps, but overall, Mm -hmm. television watching is down. Why? Because most people are now watching their shows on streaming services more than on actual television. The, the trend has been bucked now, I think, officially. Yeah. It's been threatening for years. I only ever watch live TV. When there's an insurrection on. Right. I think that's the last <laughs> time I've watched live TV. And even that, you know. I mean, I when um, the inauguration, I watched streaming, but that's because there was no television in my airbnb so i sat and, and watched it on my yeah, I was too scared to watch that. computer you watched it later after oh yeah watched yeah. it afterwards but, but i watched it live i needed to know that it, it that went out without, without anything exploding and right nobody got injured right <clears throat> isn't that it. ridiculous that, yeah. that that statement makes absolute sense <laughs> <sighs> I was in a fairly good mood when I woke up this morning. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Finally, Corey legend Johnny Briggs will be getting his own documentary on oh, ITV next week. The tribute will air on Monday, March 29th. So they will detail oh, coming up. his life and uh, interview people that worked on the show with him right. and everything else. So that should be delightful watching. Yep. Oh, and that's Corey that. News. That's Corey News. Fantastic. Corey News. No shrimps involved. <laughs> determined for, for me to have an aneurysm here <laughs> and you're doing some good work I have to say our mailbag uh, just one five star review that's been left on uh, hoot, hoot. The, the iTunes from hoot, hoot. constructed screen name from the Newport screen names I think 
<laughs> they wrote, loved the show, Helen and Gavin, perfectly balanced humour and insight with a few fun segments thrown in. I look forward to it every week. Thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. I hope you enjoy all the <laughs> tell commentary. I expect that review to be edited <laughs> following this episode. And now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to... What? You were dancing over there to your own music. It's cute. I finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about petrol station carnations. Any idea? Somebody was going to give somebody petrol station carnations. You're just dancing on purpose now. American and dancing on purpose. <laughs> it's a twofer. Yeah, this was David winding up Nick about his uh, potential Mother's Day present. Oh, yeah. I was Gavin I forgot Mother's Day was early fine. in the UK. Yeah. It's fine. I'm reminded actually of another tune that I've been working on. Because, <laughs> you know, we made the Corey sitcom music. Well, mm-hmm. I say we. I'm kind of apportioning some of the blame onto you. Right. As I do to you <clears throat> all the time as right. well. It's just, it's, it's a collaboration. That's what you do. Right? Yeah. We're a, cl- a collective we. Yes, we are the royal we. <laughs> As opposed to the royal poo. <laughs> so, another poo joke. There you go. <laughs> they just write themselves. <laughs> they really do. Um, yeah, the Corey sitcom, uh, Tim's mum about the house. Mm-hmm. Since we did that, we've had no cause to use it again. <laughs> Which, I know, I know. I'm really disappointed like in the show for completely wasted like hours of my life. Mate. Well, I'm sure, that. I'm sure Yasmin and Tim's mum will come back up soon. But in classic Corey, there was a segment where Deirdre said the talk of the street. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be the talk of the street, she mm-hmm. said. And I took the sound clip of that yes, and I you did. put it next to the Gary one. Yes, you did. And then I put a drum and bass beat against it. Sure, you did. <laughs> Meanwhile, we still don't have a vocab of the episode jingle for common language, but that's all right. It's fine. It's fine. Helen, I have to go for the muse takes me. (laughs) And that was where it was taking me. (sighs) Mistress Persephone was taking me down the put a drum and bass beat against the Cornish Street theme tune. Are you going to go through and find other characters who say talk of the street, um, but not together? And then mash them together so it sounds like they say talk of the street. And I, I honestly wasn't. I'm just waiting for other people to say it and then I'm just <laughs> going to add it to my little montage because that seems like <laughs> far too much work. Anyway, uh, yeah, you were fine. I was fine. This was characters were going through a phase of insisting that they were fine. Mm-hmm. You were interviewed by the New York Times. I was. That was, was exciting. Like a year ago. And in the shortened batch of storylines, it's Gemma's and to a lesser extent David's turn to insist that they're absolutely fine. But Bernie isn't buying it and so replaces a window, gets a chippy tea and gets five minutes in front of Dr. Gadas. Because I think Gemma was going through her postpartum, postpartum. depression. Shady Acres, because that was still a thing. Ah. Ken smuggles in Eccles and despite having been for a walk that evening, the old timer takes a pee behind a plant in the hallway. Ugh, R.I.P. Eccles. As does Eccles. <laughs> Tell you. If you're looking for toilet humour. <laughs> We're the podcast for it. 
Charles's reign of terror continues unabated. Ryan has an idea with regards to Tim's dad, and as a result we learn that Zidane is going on holiday. Then Zidane is getting married, but no one's invited. Then Alia and Yasmin are invited, and then Tim's dad is tagging along. Don't be mm. expecting any best man duties there, Ryan. Yeah. Evelyn gives Claudia a second chance with better results for their hairdo, and this time Arthur has the good grace to turn up, and it was delightful. Still pissed off about that. Yeah. Because Arthur thing didn't really amount to very much at all. David visits Clayton in jail, Nick visits Shona in hospital, and neither have much in the way of success, which drives David onto the sofa and into the arms of a former trafficked East European Sparkle Lounge nail technician. Jeez, Elena really gets around, doesn't she? I it totally forgot about the way. whole David thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did it, but they were going to do it. Yeah, they were close. Because Seb walked in. Right. Just like Seb walked in. Anyway. <sighs> our moment of the week was Evelyn and Arthur flirting, and our boring moment of the week was Charles running a Jackson Pollock workshop at Shady Acres. Remember, Ken was trying to do a Jackson oh Pollock with a paintbrush. Oh, God. And that was Coronation Street at the top of the street me. this time last year. Shall we dive yes, in? Yes, please. My dear. My dear. <laughs> Our first storyline this morning is No, no, I refuse to listen to this La, 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 la Oh, is this uh, Tyrone and Fizz in Carolina? On Monday, Tyrone has just finished his breakfast And Fizz wants to meet up for lunch As she has something exciting to discuss with him mm. He's off to work Where no doubt Kev is going to be deplorable About his upcoming wedding Apparently he's digging his heels in For an Ario Speedwagon tribute band what, they're just going to play Sure I'm going to keep on loving you over and over again all night Was there another Ario Speedwagon song? Yeah What? Don't look for your phone Well, I know there is I just can't remember it Well, of the course there is Off the top of my head Hold on do, 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 do. Take it on the run Never heard of it out of the run, so you take it on the run. No. Really? Yep. Can't fight this feeling? Mm, maybe. <sighs> it's not looking good. <laughs> you said keep on loving me, right? I believe I mentioned that was yeah. the only one, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. None of which we've ever heard of before. Oh, take it on the run, I knew. Anyway. Chesney comes round for Fizz to be excited about the Greek wedding thing. Uh, he reveals the truth of the matter. Blokes don't give a fuck about this sort of thing so long as they don't have to organise anything. Meanwhile, Tyrone's at work, but looking long and late at the knicker factory and the wee Romanian inside it. Abby <sighs> finds Alina's sweater and she says that she'll take it back to her, but Tyrone jumps in and says that he'll do it. He needs to follow up after last week's work anyway. Abby reckons that if Alina was a 20-stone bloke, Tyrone would be doing no such follow-up. She's right. She's got the mark of him. He takes it back to her and he says that they don't have to avoid each other because of what happened last week. But then he tells her that he really likes her. And she likes him too. And then in walks Seb, who sees a pair of them, and he immediately twigs that this is Alina's secret fancy man. And he practically pisses himself laughing. What's wrong with me? Says an affronted Tyrone. You're old, says Seb. And you're married. And you have two kids. Tyrone denies everything He's not married And they're not sleeping together But for some reason He ends up admitting to the kiss Which I think is a mistake And Seb has heard enough And goes off in a huff To his room It's an angry wank For Seb I think <sighs> Meanwhile 
Fizz is looking for Tyrone at the garage and lets it slip to Kev and Abby that she's booked their wedding behind Tyrone's back and Kev looks a bit... Yay. Don't know if that was a great idea. Mm. Ty comes along and everyone hides, leaving <laughs> Fizz to announce that she has a surprise for them. Is it a and, holiday, and, Ty asks. And Kev's in the bathroom. Sort of. We're going to Greece for a wedding. Whose? asks Ty with a smile. Ours, says Fizz, and Tyrone's face falls off. Uh, Seeing this reaction, a despondent Fizz goes home. You know why Kev goes to the bathroom, right? Because they're only allowed four people oh, on, t- on screen at a time. <laughs> My answer was he needed a shit. <laughs> that too. And now that there's this kind of remarkable scene uh, that happens at home with Fizz and Tyrone. Mm. That which is fantastic, which is just... Give me more of this, please. Mm-hmm. Because all of the drug dealers and car accidents and buildings falling and, and sinkholes in the world are useless if you don't have really good character-driven storylines and really good actors being given really good lines. And this was just, as much as you feel for these characters... It was a breath of fresh air because it's been a while since we've gotten something this good. I hated it. (laughs) And I'll let that shit just sit there for a while. I'll tell you why I hated it. I hated it because it made me care about the (laughs) storyline. Because I hate the storyline. Yes, yes. And there is that. But I mean, that's what's so good about it is it it makes you care about a stupid fucking storyline mm-hmm. and makes it about something more than just a stupid putting Tyrone with Alina mm-hmm. thing. It becomes about relationships and how things can go a little routine and how do you deal with that mm-hmm. and how do you talk about it and, and everything and it, it became a bigger thing. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, it was really well done. Yeah. A- apart from anything else, just the, just the fact, I think I saw on Twitter, I think it was um, Jane Danson said that it was a 15-page mm-hmm. page. 18-page scene. <clears throat> and it felt like it went on for maybe eight minutes uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the one scene, no cutaways. Yeah. And you don't get bored and you don't... Say, oh, well, this is dragging. No, like every word, every word is not, there's not a word wasted yeah. in the whole thing. And I was speaking with Tim O'Mara, the director on Twitter, <laughs> and uh, about the no rehearsal part of it, because uh-huh. there was no rehearsal. Uh-huh. And I said that like, they had a run through, which mm-hmm. is uh, kind of standard for that, this sort of scene, but the fact that there was no you know, they're basically filming it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you've got, we don't have time to right to waste. They've absolutely fucking nailed it. Yeah. Let's go through it. So at home, Fizz is humiliated. She expected something from Tyrone. Excitement, maybe. Happiness, at least, after all this time. She needs to know what he's thinking and how he's feeling. He doesn't think that they're the greatest couple in the world right now. And she thinks it's difficult to have time for each other with everything that's going on. But it's not just her fault. And she still fancies him. But Tyrone remains silent then says that he thinks that they're stuck, they're treading water, there is no excitement, there is no happiness. She says she was happy until 10 minutes ago. But after his health scare, he thinks there should be more to life and there should be someone that he wakes up excited to see. 
She thinks that he's talking about Alina and her, and her skin visibly crawls. After the yoga and the weird comments that she made and her taking the piss, now she feels stupid as well as humiliated. She calls him a pathetic middle-aged bloke. She's half your age. And he points out that there's only a 15-year age gap. She says Alina wouldn't give him the time of day. That's where you're wrong. Timbot4000 says shit just got interesting. She asked if they slept together and he insists not. It was just one kiss. Well, I hope you'll be happy with her in a shitty little flat because that's all you'll be able to afford, she says. I wouldn't see me and the girls go without just for you to lord it up. The girls who are going to be so bitterly disappointed in Tyrone. Then someone younger and more handsome will come along and Alina will leave him a sad, lonely old man. And there's a knock at the door and it goes to answer it saying that he'll sort it. That's a kind of brief summary of what was. Right. Very deep. An epic. Very emotional. Right. And you know, I feel like lots of people sitting at home watching this right now, you know, because of the pandemic and everything right. and because of being stuck at home with with your spouse, yep. which is arguably better than being stuck alone with nobody. But, you know, you get into routines, you mm-hmm. get things get dull. Yep. Th- things are not exciting. You know, there's no mystery anymore because there's not a period of time where one of you leaves the house right. for long extended periods of time. Right. You run out of things to say. So I think this was really a, a gut punch to lots and lots of people watching, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily people who have had opportunity to cheat on their spouses during the pandemic. No, but it's a very but relatable still, it's, situation. It's, it's really describing. relatable. And that's, I think that's what makes it good is that it's just, oofed, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's Chesney at the door, knows that you see how things are going and offering to pick up the girls. Tyrone says that they're far from being okay at the moment, but after minimum prompting, admits that something is wrong and he kissed Alina. It's so <laughs> obvious, says Ches, but is it worth ruining your life over? When he goes back into the room, Fizz is either left or is really good at hiding. I think she's left. Mm-hmm. So Chesie's point of it being obvious, I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's this is the obvious reason why he's turning down the the proposal or reacted in the way that he did. To right, the proposal. yeah, because he's thinking about somebody else, mm-hmm. and that's kind of sad and pathetic. And it's nice because Chesney says, you know, because Tyrone says thank you for picking up the girls, and he's like, I'm, I'm doing this for Fizz, not for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm surprised Chesney doesn't just punch him in the face. I have a little sympathy for Tyrone and all this. Really? Yeah. Why? She kissed him. He didn't kiss her. Well, he kissed her back. Did he? he wanted to. I know that he wanted to, but I don't think he would have acted on it. She kind of took the initiative. She's also significantly younger. Just 15 years. That was interesting as well, because that meant that he'd done the math. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's significantly younger. She is, you know, a person who has been abused in her life, so is a bit more fragile and easily led and has issues of her own. You know, he he did not have to go in and sit next to her in Victoria Garden. You know, he he allowed it to happen. He could have he could have put his foot down much sooner. They're both responsible for this. And I kind of hate the fact that Alina gets most of the 
finger pointing. Oh, it was always going to happen. Wasn't well, it? yes, but still. Uh, Alina Sepp has heard from his mum about Fizzy's wedding plans, but it looks like it's not going to go ahead, and he wants to know if this is her doing. She grabs her jacket and heads out. She needs to know if Tyrone wants to be with her. Seb thinks this is a terrible idea because there's no direct line from Alina doing this to Seb getting his hole off of her. Uh, well, and also he's right. It is a terrible idea. Oh, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tyrone has found Fizz in Roy's roles. She says that she's been doing some walking and some thinking. Me too, says Tyrone. He says that he's sorry and he wants her and Alina can go to Iad. Romanian for hell. He wants her, the girls and his family. She says it'll be different now. It's going to take time for her to trust him again. Fizz and Ty get to the front door. Tyrone fancies a brew, but Fizz just wants to go to bed. She goes inside the loin, allowing Tyrone to see Alina approach, and he looks sad as he goes into the house, and she looks sad as she walks away. On Wednesday, Tyrone is overcompensating, but it's not working on Fizz. She's still very upset about the humiliation she, su- she suffered yesterday, and when Tyrone skips around the subject of whether she's going to confront Alina about it, Fizz says no, but make sure to refer to Alina as his girlfriend, secret crush, fancy bit which, let's, let's face it, is partly what contributed to this mess in the first place. However, the next we see, Fizz bumps into Lena as soon as she steps outside, and she wants a word. I've got beef, says Fizz. Oh, pig's tits, says Lena. At the garage, Kev has noticed Tyrone is quiet, but can't help but remember how he embarrassed Fizz yesterday. Tyrone explains what happened with Lena and the reconciliation he and Fizz have agreed. Kev, who has been there and done that, but not exactly like that advises caution and not to ignore what his heart wants, even when kids are involved. Nice advice there, Kev. Tyrone <laughs> is determined, though. Alina was a mistake, he says. So Fizz and Alina have gone to Roy's roles, but not for a chat. Fizz is going to talk, Alina is going to listen. After all the kindness she showed Alina, this is how she gets repaid, by her trying to rip her family apart. Alina apologises, but Fizz doesn't care. Find someone else, find someone single. And if she tries it on again, she'll be wearing her own teeth round her neck or something. She sends a tearful Alina packing just as Kirk comes in, who assesses how the situation appears and recommends tea. Luckily, they're at Roy's Rolls, who have tea. I thought that was quite a good uh, a good point to bring up. Yeah. About the the kindness right. that they showed, mm-hmm. which, let's face it, was out of a kind of... Uh, societal politeness right yeah oh somebody doesn't have anywhere to live and i'm a polite person and i'm kind of a good person at heart and right oh well you can stay here but let's remember that that was tyrone's doing tyrone is the one who offered in the first place alina would have never asked to stay at tyrone and fizz's on her own no it was tyrone who said you should stay with us right in the beginning she then didn't let it drop, though. Once she had that offer, she didn't say, no, no, it's fine, I can, I'll, no. I'll, I can go somewhere No, else. because like, yep. she was desperate. Mm-hmm. But she would have never thought of it, and she wouldn't have ever come back and kind of insisted if he hadn't offered first. So, you know, and let's be fair, last week, you know, Alina gave Ty the sh- cold shoulder before the whole kiss thing because she said... You know, I don't want to, I don't want to break up a family. I don't want to mm. be the one responsible for breaking up a family. So to hurt fees. Right. Yeah. So she, she was trying to take a step back more than Ty was trying to take a step back. The heart wants what the heart wants though. And she saw those American t-shirts and <laughs> she needs herself a bit of that. 
So Fizz tells Kirk everything, which I'm not sure is wise. Fizz just never thought anyone else would look twice at Tyrone. <clears throat> yeah, see... Uh, well, that's a little cruel. Right, yeah, she... There's a bit in this that is just... Why would she think that? Why would she... You know, it's like... Fizz's complacency in the beginning and the mocking of Tyrone and everything, not to blame Fizz. It didn't help, let's face it. It didn't help. And her attitude still is kind of like that. Like, I didn't think anybody else would want him, so I thought our relationship was fine. (laughs) It's safe because nobody else will ever want you. That's not really a healthy relationship, is it? It's not great. No. And I think the, the part of that that um, has an impact is it does force because it's something that Tyrone is going to be right. annoyed at and it is going He's to force him exa- exactly and to examine how he feels about himself and if that's true and if it's not true then why isn't she appreciating this and it's, it's sent no. his mind down a path right it doesn't necessarily have to go down. And it kind of sets a challenge for him. Well, I'll right. show her, right. you know, I bet I could mm-hmm. if I try. Mm-hmm. So he tried and he could. Yeah. See, this is why I am never complacent. <laughs> I am never complacent because American women throw themselves at you because of your accent. They still do. We can't go anywhere without a waitress, you know, touching. Well, not anymore. Thank God for the pandemic keeping American women away from you. <laughs> I'm more than just an accent. <laughs> well, I know that. <laughs> First, I also make uh, drum and bass songs using <laughs> soap opera theme tunes. <laughs> you know where to find me. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> so, where did I get to? Yeah, so in, no one would look twice at Tyrone, but Alina's drop dead gorgeous and here's Fizz with nothing going for her, which I don't think is true either. No. Kirk tries to cheer her up by telling her that she has hair like an Irish setter he once knew in the kennels. <laughs> he tells her that she's lovely, and if Tyrone ever tries to shag any other European bombshells behind her back, you'll have Kirk to answer to. Right, yes. And it's hilarious because <laughs> they have, like, Kirk look around before complimenting Fizz to make sure that Beth isn't around. That was hilarious. That was very funny. I like that they have these little comedic touches yeah. throughout. Kind of an awful storyline. Alina's stomping by the garage on the way to the factory. Tyrone sees something is wrong and checks in her while Kev makes himself scarce. Why? Ty, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Why are you doing that? Just, have you not learned your lesson? Nobody's learned anything here. This is is it. You know, Alina is going to work. She's not trying to say hello to Ty. She's not trying to, you know, strike a conversation with him. She's making a beeline to work. He's the one who steps out of the garage and stops her and speaks to her mm-hmm. after all of this has happened. I found this this is why I'm so angry that it's like, oh, it's all Alina's fault. It's not. Tyrone is just as culpable, if I not think more if I was so. her, I'd be going around the block to get to work. I'd go the long way without having to walk past the, the garage if at all possible. Mm. You told him too, asks Alina, who then explains how Fizz has just metaphorically kicked the fuck out of her. Tyrone apologises, this wasn't meant to happen. Alina's pissed that he didn't warn her. That he doesn't care for her. He gets his tenties all muddled up as he tries to say he does, or he did. Just stay away from me, says Alina, who gets back to her stomping. 
Chesney goes to see Fizz at the furniture thing to offer his condolences. Fizz says that Ty wants to go out for dinner and have a chat, but she's still furious and just wants to spit in his dinner. She didn't see this coming, <laughs> which proves how blind she was. He thinks it could have been worse and that they can get through this, but Fizz no longer knows if that's what she wants. Back at the factory, there doesn't seem to be anyone who doesn't work at the factory in the factory. Sally spots Kirk being mean to Alina and stuffing his pockets full of biscuits rather than let her have one. Come on, spill, she insists, using uh, the problem shared as a problem halved protocol. Mm-hmm. So Ty and Fizz are at speed dial and Ty goes off to the bogs in a huff when Fizz makes a big deal of his what do you fancy question. And then Sally comes in and she's so simpering that Fizz immediately knows that Kirk's blabbed and she grabs her jacket and leaves. Back home, Tyrone is apologising again, wanting to know what he can do. She thinks that he's already done it. People are going to think she's a mug for taking him back and he's a mug for wanting to go back. She knows what she sees when she looks in the mirror and she knows it's pretty much the opposite of Alina. On Friday, Fizz is doing some ironing and Ty is getting ready for work. The mood seems to have lightened a little bit and they talk about going to a burger joint with the kids or Tyrone wants to do that. Mm-hmm. With Fizz. curly fries and milkshakes. Mm-hmm. He really wants to immigrate to America, doesn't he? He's talking about steak and shake, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. But Fizz has already arranged for Roy to look after the kids so the two of them can have some alone time and they can chat. Belter, says Ty. Another furniture thing, Chess is trying to cheer Fizz up by dressing up as Hannibal Lecter. Fizz is still... Do you know, I knew that line's coming up and I saw you take a sip of coffee and I thought, this is going to be interesting. Helen has... A little bit of coffee coming down her nose at the moment. I hate you. <laughs> Fizz is still in a better mood uh, and being pragmatic. These things happen. At least he didn't get his hole off her uh, like he did off your missus, she says. She says it's all fine and it's still fine when Tyrone texts to cancel their date because he has to work. It's all fine. Now this is a moment uh, where I thought, Tyrone... What, what are you doing, pal? What is, what is this? Why does he not say to Kev, look, you stay late. You know I need to fix this. You know what's here. going on. He can't suggest. Because Kev wants Tyrone to break up with Fizz and get with Alina, let's be honest. Because Kev is all into the whole younger ladies whole. thing. Oh, yeah. Which Tyrone brings up. He's right. like, and how old is Abby again? Mm-hmm. And how, how old was Molly Dobbs? His Molly Dobbs? Hmm. Mm. Why does anybody think that anybody will successfully marry Kev? That's that's what I want to know. And I'm going to use a a strong word here. (laughs) And the thing is, I don't need to. But with Tyrone being in the cunt books as firmly as he is with his, he tries to make it up or he tries to do, you know, what does a guy do to try and make Mm -hmm. it? Well, let's go and have dinner and that Mm. kind of thing. To then cancel it. Right. Because of work. Yeah. That's kind of unforgivable, isn't it? I, it's it's just, it's, these are lots of little subtle things that make it obvious that this is no longer what Ty wants. You think so? Yeah. Her mood has cooled a little when she takes some sandwiches round to tie uh, the garage with the promise of some pie later. And no piccalilli. No piccalilli because he made that such a fuss about it last time. This is unusual when he's working late and he thinks that she's just checking on him. She says that she isn't, but would have cause to do if she was. Is it though? Because we've seen her bring him sandwiches before. That's for lunch. Oh. This is for dinner. <sighs> so he semantics. says that he is working. 
if that's what she was checking on. Good, she says, but I wasn't. And back home, he understands that uh, what she was doing, but they need to trust each other. That's all well and good when the object of his desire is living across the street, she says. And then she brings out a pie from the oven that I thought might have Alina's head in it. It's a humble pie, she says. Tuck in. John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week. I don't know where they've left it. I don't know if it's any... It felt at the start of Friday that it was a bit better. Mm. And there was some kind of, yeah. you know, perspective has been applied here and maybe this isn't as bad as it could have been mm-hmm. and he, he still wants to be here and we still want to be a family together and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But it, it kind of ended it with, yeah. oh, what what they had does seem to be yes. very, very Broken. damaged. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if there's any way back for them, which makes me really sad because this is one of the... One of the stronger relationships on the street. So we thought, yeah. Yeah. And really, the, they're getting fewer and farther be- between the strong relationships on the street because Nick and Leanne are kind of on the outs. Yep. Ed and Aggie are kind of on the outs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ish. Uh, Johnny's in jail. Tim and Sally? They're fine. They're fine. Gemma and Chesney are fine. Gemma and Chesney, I think, are Fizz and Tyrone just a few years in the past or a few years in the future, whichever way. Right, with more kids. They're kind of heading that way. Yeah. I hope they hurry up and get married. I just want the karaoke, karaoke wedding. wedding. <laughs> but again, it's a good storyline because I think it's something that lots and lots of people can relate to. And those are the storylines. Those are the great character-driven storylines that I think are at the heart of Coronation Street and mm. really are is something that the show really needs to bring back and, and lay off all of the stunts and, and crazy storylines and people with guns and stuff and just right. f- focus on this because this is what the creator of Coronation Street was after, mm-hmm. an ordinary street with ordinary people. Yeah, and this is what was delivering up until, you know, fairly recently. Yeah. You know, you look at classic Corey, and that is, you know, there's some dreadful storylines going on in classic Corey, but they're yeah. all underpinned by character, and they're all underpinned by um, a there kind of everydayness of it. Dying by hairdryer and and trams coming off rails and yeah. stuff. So they can still do the kind of sensational storylines. Yeah, they just the, can't. Re- they just don't need to be relying so heavily on them. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's any gangsters in it at the moment in classic Corey. No. Which they, they do seem to be relying on. There's always a gangster. At the moment, the baddie in classic Corey is a guy who's pretended to be an airline pilot to Deirdre. <laughs> That's what's going on. And she's just found out and she's going to go to jail. She doesn't know it yet, but she's going to go to jail. Why? A credit card fraud. Fraud? Fraud. Credit oh. card fraud and stuff. <clears throat> but yeah. I, I, I do hate that it's made me care about this storyline more than I did because I just, I, I've never, I don't think I've hated a storyline or the mm-hmm. potential of a storyline more than yeah. this because it, it didn't make sense. No. But, uh, you know, now that, now that, you know, really anybody could have stood in for Alina, more than, now right. that it's more about kind of what happens when a relationship just kind of goes right. boring 
and routine and one partner isn't really relying on the other partner and they take one another for granted and stuff. Now that it's become that, now that it's become a larger thing mm. and it's not a, just about Ty That's running it. out of running around after younger tail. Less about Alina. Right. That's where it's become interesting. Yes. Yeah. Poor Alina though, man. Let's move on. <sighs> Remember to- when I was hoping that she and Michael would hook up? You just try and match up everyone on this show. I do. Our next storyline this morning is running up that hill. <laughs> just, you were just, just such joy. On Monday, Michael is home from the hospital for a nap. He's exhausted. Ed though insists on trying to talk to him about that car that Ronnie promised to buy Michael and Grace, and maybe Ed should be the one that buys it. Michael doesn't give a fuck who buys it and goes to sleep on the couch. Ed comes home from lunch and Michael is still on the couch. He's overslept. He asks Ed for a ride to the hospital, but Ed tells him to slum it. He has his lunch to get. Michael mentions that Ed has been short with Uncle Ronnie recently, and Ed plays it down and tells him to accept Ronnie's car offer and then caves and gives Michael a ride to the hospital after all. Scintillating stuff on Monday. On Friday, on the street, Ed and Ronnie hear from Michael that Glory is off the ventilator but is anemic. Michael goes off for a lie down, allowing Ronnie and Ed to have a word. Ronnie is worried it's because he's a sickle cell carrier. Ed rolls his eyes and tells his brother to get to fuck. Yeah, because if Ronnie is a sickle cell carrier, Ed is a sickle cell carrier because they have the same parents. So they would have the same chromosomes and everything. But Ronnie doesn't get to fuck and turns no. up to the house to further this theory that the problem with Glory is down to his genes. Ed points out... Which are also Ed's genes. ...that Grace would have had tests when she was pregnant. Now, please, would you get to fuck? Ronnie decides that Ed is just trying to conceal this all from Michael for the third time. Get to fuck. So Ronnie finally gets to fuck. <laughs> and that's all that happens in that storyline this week. Ugh. Do you think Michael's going to find out about this? Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> I was only amazed that it didn't happen at the end of Friday. That when right. Ronnie and Ed are arguing in the house that Michael didn't suddenly appear down the stairs and overhear the right, conversation. The staircase that, of discovery. Yes. There, that there's a staircase of discovery in that house too? There's one in every house. <gasps> what? <laughs> there's only one staircase of discovery as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And it Everybody's follows, got a two up and two down, it yes. It follows fair about. Yeah. <sighs> Nothing much here. We've just kind of furthered it on a little bit. There's this kind right. of genetic thing that's dropped in that I don't think is really much of a muchness. Well, next storyline after that is Lemon Anon. On Monday, Kathy's in the cabin looking Ow. regretfully at her message about Steve stealing all of her fund money. And after a brief interruption from Brian, she starts pecking away at another message. Addie is over at number one to revise with Amy for reasons Lemon Drop has posted again but this time they seem to be backtracking saying that they could have got everything wrong and maybe Steve isn't trying to steal money from his dead kids uh, charity fund after all Amy is determined to dox whoever it is that then she and Addy have a lovely wee chat about social media and how Amy's screen time was up to 12.6 hours a day last week (laughs) I want a spin-off show where Addie and Amy just go around solving mysteries. I'm already thinking of the theme tune. <laughs> With, um, oh no, neither one of them have a dog anymore. Oh no, wait, no, where's Rufus? Rufus? Who the fuck's Rufus? Didn't didn't Steve and Tracy have a dog named Rufus? No, it's Rover. Rover. I know it started with an R. Where Where has Rover been? Rufus. 
None of the dogs. Are you just thinking of the British comedian Rufus Hound? No. You really aren't. I'm not, because I have no idea who that is. There is a Rufus Hound. Of course there is. I think uh, somebody's got to have a famous dog named Rufus. But anyway, they need a van. Mm-hmm. They need a dog. Mm-hmm. So bring Rover back. They need sandwiches. <laughs> and they need Scooby snacks. Oh, have Jacob out the way. Where are they going to get their Scooby snacks from? <laughs> Smoke them if you got them, folks. <laughs> Andy has done some digging and found other comments from Lemon Drop on other forums. One in particular on Weatherfield Weathervane where local matters matter. Very partridge, says Addy. On a thread about <laughs> urban foxes, Lemon Drop outs himself as a Weatherfield news agent who regularly sees foxes in the early morning, and they've also posted about where they high. Amy is sure that this means that Lemon Drop is Brian, fueled with rage about the unpaid paper bill. She's got the MO and everything. Addy suggests confronting them in real life, but to Amy, this is real life. Out there... It's just pretend. Right. And she's got this look on her face. She's in the Matrix Mm -hmm. now. Brian and Kathy are coming back from lunch and catch a vandal in the act of spraying troll on the windows of the cabin. I've doxed you, shouts Amy from the other side of the street. Now you know what it feels like when people turn on you. Brian is baffled, but Kathy quietly admits that she has the answers. So inside the cabin, she owns up to being Lemon Drop and her trolling and how she was pished when she did it. She tried to delete the message, but people were agreeing with her and it just got worse. And everyone thinks it was him. Not sure how that works, but... Without a thought, Brian says that he'll take the blame and apologise to Stephen Tracy, and then that'll be the end of it. So he goes to number one and makes a heartfelt apology, promises to post a retraction, and will donate to the charity fund. Amy and Tracy aren't impressed, though, and Tracy will not rest until she's told every living soul what a nasty piece of shit he is. On Wednesday, Cathy goes into the cabin. It's been a quiet day and no prizes for guessing why. Brian reckons it'll blow over soon. The deal in, uh, they deal in convenience and people always end up choosing what's quick over what's right. And Cathy isn't sure that that's any comfort. Later, Bernie comes in and advises that Tracy's been bad-mouthing the pair of them and they'd better get themselves back out there if they want to save any long-lasting damage to their reputations. So Cathy and Brian decide to have their faces seen on the rovers, but Jenny refuses to serve Brian, telling him that he's banned for hounding Steve and trying to destroy his reputation. You're banned. You've supped your last pint in here, bucko. And later, Brian is removing some fresh graffiti from the cabin when Cathy spots Steve walking by and she shouts an apology and asks him to call off Tracy. The gossip is making their lives a misery. Call off your dog. That was a bit misjudged. Steve tells her to bolt. It's not his fault that Brian's lies about his family have come back to bite them on the arse. But later in the cabin, Steve comes in and he's had a think and agrees to tell Tracy and Amy to back off. Cathy is about to come clean, but Brian cuts her off. There's no point and it might make matters worse. This, he says, is a positive start. Mm-hmm. Rufus was a dog on the Muppet Show. You spent the entire time that I was going through that looking up Rufus. No, I was listening. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you think was the funniest bit of, of uh, <laughs> everything that I just said there? The Steve bit. Because he's a Muppet too. <laughs> the Steve bit. Well, thanks. When I said call but, off your dogs. Thanks for being so specific there. <laughs> I really liked this this week. I liked. Um, I don't like. I don't like the fact that Brian and Kathy are in anyone's shit books. I don't like that at all. Mm. But I loved the uh, Addy and Amy together. Oh, yeah, seriously, <laughs> more of that, please. Right. The Addy and the the Addy and Amy show is a show I would watch mm-hmm. all the time. They were great. They were great. I don't know why he was there though. 
But Cause they're matter. friends. It's fine. They? Yeah, because she's, she's friends, friends with Asha. Yeah, so she's, she's friends with Addy too. She has to be. They're kind of a package deal, aren't they? <laughs> As most twins are. I guess. Still, I yeah, I like it. I you know they were funny together. Both of those young actors have great comedic timing, mm-hmm. and I just I. Putting them together was pretty genius. I as, like it. I, as, you know, because it could have gone... Amy could have done it on her own. Amy could have done it with Asha. Amy could have done it with Summer. Amy could have done it with Kelly, although Kelly already has her own storyline going on right now. Amy could have done it with Simon. But I think this 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 package deal, the Amy and Asha, or Amy and Addie show... I like I like it. It more had to that. be Addy for it to work for me because not only is Addy intelligent mm-hmm. to to follow the breadcrumbs and to right. to come up with the um, yeah the clues to look yeah to look at what else Lemon Drop has posted. Not only is he intelligent enough to do that, he's so chuffed in his own intelligence right. that he has to explain it. Right. And when he's explaining it. And then realizes that Amy's been listening to her music in her earbuds right. and the hasn't heard any of it. He's so pissed <laughs> off. I feel for him because that happens to me all the time with you and with the children. <laughs> I do this at work all the time. I love explaining how like a, a, a clever but a spreadsheet chicanery works. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit. They just want to know what the results are. Right. And that's kind of where where amy is she doesn't care how he got there he just she just wants to know right what the answer is right it's great yeah yeah i really love that i think though in terms of the story it feels like it's kind of wrapping up a little a little sharpish mm. and there's part of me that i think i would have liked to have seen kathy go kind of more head-on into this and 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 be, become one of these keyboard warriors and keyboard trolls and stuff. Now that would have been interesting. Because that leads you down, right? Really, really dark, dark paths. paths. Yeah. I. And it'd be I interesting if a Kathy was the one to do that. Right. I think. You know, she was just. It was just this knee-jerk reaction to. Tracy being mean to her. It was hanging out with Bernie and getting drunk. Right. Yeah. That's what really did it. Right. Well, there's there was this knee-jerk reaction to Tracy being mean to her for no reason. And then, you know, and then sitting with Bernie and, you know, Bernie being a bad influence, as usual, which right. she will continue to be in another storyline. Yeah. <laughs> she can't cook, it turns out. Ha 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 ha! Woman, woman burns bacon. Woman that can't cook. News at eleven. Well, she can cook. She just can't cook bacon. Right, it's hilarious. Which, to be fair, bacon is something that, if you're not watching it, oh, it you can, have to watch it. It can yeah. go from fine to burnt in like two seconds. This is why I cook it in the oven. Yeah, so I'm it's much even. Yeah, and the. Uh, Eggs is the same. But anyway. Anyway. Our next storyline today is Sean's Pathetic Pyramid Pyramid <laughs> Sean's Pathetic Pyramid Scheme Shenanigans. Now see 
I'm beginning to like this storyline more because I like I like the whole I, again they've put two characters together that you wouldn't expect to be together and it makes both of them a little bit more likable for me. I despise this. <laughs> and I despise the characters that are involved in it. Of course and you I do. despise them a little more. Of course you do. On Monday then, <laughs> Gemma goes round to ask Sean to cover a shift at the Rovers. It's the least that you can do after all that's happened, but he's a snooty shite about it and makes a big deal about moving onwards and upwards and meeting Ridian later to discuss next month's targets. The only target you've got is the middle of your forehead, says Gemma. But Zing. a tish. And she leaves him to it. So Sean and Ridian meet in the Rovers. Ridian reveals some very aggressive targets for this month, but he says that he believes in Sean and no one else is hitting targets like this. Really? Sean talks about a city centre apartment that he has his, ha- his eyes on, but it's out of his price range. Ridian thinks it could be his by the year end. Then I think he goes off for a piss. Mm. And while he's gone, Daisy moves in to see if Sean needs any help. She likes ripping off people. I love that she just blatantly just says it. I love that. Yes, there are people who do love that. Not me. Don't look at me like that. You love that Daisy did that. Yes, I do. I think it's hilarious that she's so brutally honest. About the fact that she loves ripping off people because she's been so coy about it. You know, we've known that she's kind of a snake in the grass here all along, but now she's just openly admitting it. And I think that's great. Mm. I like I like how she's how sneaky and kind of evil she is. She's great in this. (laughs) Sean doesn't know why everyone thinks that they're ripping people off. That, I think, was quite funny, because people continually say to him through the week, this is a scam, this is a rip-off, and it's like, it's not a scam, it's not a rip-off. And it seems like he believes it, even though... He needs to believe it. It is a scam. Yeah, he needs to believe that he's not ripping people off. Later, Sean is wearing two face masks as he compliments Abby, telling her that she looks like a young princess die. Do you want a smack, she says. (laughs) That was hilarious. I like that whole thing with that. He introduces her to Double Glammy, but she knows it's a scam and she only has one lipstick and she only changes it when it starts to smell. Right. <laughs> the She's lipstick like me. start to smell? Yes. What did the smell of? Feet? <laughs> no, that's just this room. <laughs> that's just my feet. <laughs> he explains to Daisy about the seminar that he's running on his own now that Ridian is double booked and Daisy offers to help for a cut. And on Wednesday, Sean meets up with Daisy and Rose Rolls and, and mentions how all this is for Dylan. She's curious to know if he was a turkey-based effort or a more traditional outcome. And they mention something about not getting to the duty-free, which I didn't understand. And then they're off to the seminar to rip off as many people as possible. Right. Then that was funny, too, because I'm sure there are people who are kind of newer to the show who wonder about Dylan's conception. Are you talking about yourself here? <laughs> And, you know, and the fact that Daisy is so blunt in, in asking, you know, exactly, you know, how this how this could have possibly, possibly happened. Possibly happened, yeah. Right. So, so what's the duty-free got to do with it in the, the airport? So what she's saying was, you, were you just a, a tourist? Meaning, were you just a tourist into heterosexual land? Oh, right. Okay. Right. So, and he's oh, like, okay. I made it to the airport, so... He began to get it on with a woman, right? But he didn't make it past the duty free, so he didn't. Oh, did he get past security then? I guess he did. Therefore, continuing this metaphor, right? So it was 
was not a full trip. Right. But he got far enough. He checked his bags, but ultimately didn't go on the plane. Correct. That seems Which is just a really, really, really roundabout way of saying... That seems impossibly rude. <laughs> we don't get to see any of the same laugh, which I was really disappointed in. But well, of course of we course can't we're not. see it. Of course we're not. Of course, but course we can't. I was actually kind of looking forward to it because I wanted to see how bad Sean would be at it. But it looks like it was successful when Daisy and Sean reconvene in the rovers later. Ridian comes in and he's so impressed that some of his facial hair had fallen off. <laughs> He reckons Sean needs digs befitting his high flyer status and gives him the details of some place fancy, claiming that he knows the owner. Drop Bridian's name and he'll get a rental deal sweeter than Builder's Tea. Later. Do Builders drink their tea really sweet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the spoons can stand up in it. <laughs> Later, Eileen comes in just as Daisy and Sean are congratulating themselves on how many stupid fucking people there are in the world and how easy it is to sign them up. She's disgusted. She was worried that Double Glammy was going to rip him off, but he's just as bad. The sooner that he moves out, the better. Back home, Sean tells Eileen that he's doing what she wants and looking for somewhere else. She'd rather that he'd wash his hands of this scam, but he still refuses to accept that that's what it is, and he's determined to make it work. She backtracks and tells him that this will always be his home until she sells it and moves abroad. Right, and he makes mention, he makes brief mention of being afraid of being homeless again and waking up in a tent or on a a sidewalk. No mention of Carol, though. (laughs) My poor friend Carol... (laughs) You totally beat me to it. <laughs> I think the I think the the pricks that write this show, no offense, know that there are there are hundreds of people, potentially thousands of people that are waiting for Carol what to get a mention, Carol? and they keep on dangling it. Oh, here he goes. He's talking about his homelessness again. Surely he's going to mention Carol this time. No, nah, not well, a chance. Mm-mm. On Friday, as ever. Instead of working, Todd the Prick that kind of this becomes something else. Mm-hmm. As ever, instead of working, Todd the Prick is skulking around Paul, listening into his conversation with Summer about Kelly the Chin. When Paul goes, he moves in and he chats with her about Billy and his exes. Like the Coronation Street is just littered with Billy's exes. Well, there's three of them. Right. That's that's more than. Don't get me started. Don't get me started on the the ratio of of gay men to lesbians on the street because you're just. Impossible to please. I'm, I am. Summer reckons Paul wants back there for more, but Todd is surprised to hear this and thinks Billy has moved on. So he follows Paul into Roy's roles where Bernie is a woman who can't cook again. Bernie has mentioned about going clubbing with Paul later, seeing as Paul has some time off. Clubbing with your mum. Oof. And so Todd asks him, You stop it. Helen is dapping for some reason because it's 2017 again I'm sitting down so I can't floss <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of flossing I won't explain that <clears throat> so so I fall so Todd asks him out instead as they're both pals of Billy and it would help someone to see them getting on and he even apologises for being a bit of a prick earlier Todd reckons that he has some time off duty him. Really? So he can take the afternoon off as well. The really? Prick, the prick is never at work. No. So they meet up at the Rovers a little later, and although Paul isn't sure that he's in the mood for any of this shite, he and Todd leave just as a masked and confused Billy comes in to see them head out the Rover's back passage. But not like that. Thank you very much. 
Predictably, in discussion with Eileen, it becomes clear that Billy is jealous that two of his exes are suddenly besties based on watching them exit a pub together. Mm. And I think Todd has taken Paul to Ray Weinstein's hotel for a drink and they agree the protocol of the conversation. No talking about Billy. No talking about Sean's sofa shopping for his poxy new flat that he's moving into next week. And doesn't that sound a bit too quick off the mark? Mm-hmm. When Paul goes for a wee wee, another bloke, <laughs> Jimmy, shows up that Todd had agreed to meet and he definitely manoeuvres it to set this new guy up with Paul instead. No, see, then no, that's... No, what happened? I kind of lost interest a little bit. So, pa- so... Todd was on whatever the show's equivalent of, of Tinder is. Grinder. Uh, Grinder, yes. I think they just call it Grinder. Do they? I think okay. so. And he had that guy's picture up and and swipes and swipes it really quick when and goes back to the couch thing when Paul says, What are you looking at on your phone? Oh, so Paul that. has set this up. Paul Just has now, set not Paul, Todd. See, now you're confusing me even more by getting the names mixed up. I know. What's Rufus doing at this point? Barking. <laughs> it's Steve the Muppet. Okay. Okay. The other bloke is confused, but because they're on Margarita... Margarita time. Margarita, yeah. He's game, and when Paul comes back, Jimmy likes what he sees, while Paul wonders exactly what the fuck was going on when he went for a shoot. <laughs> He takes a very long time to pee, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I thought maybe he just kind of ducked out. I thought that happened as well. And so Todd is going to have to bang Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to backfire, but not like that. <laughs> Back at the Rovers, Billy's insisting that he doesn't have romantic feelings for Paul anymore, but Eileen and Sean aren't buying it, so Billy has to change the subject and ask Sean questions about his furniture. Eileen shoots herself in the head. <laughs> Back at the bar. I love the fact that they're winding Billy up like that. That's mm-hmm. funny. Back at the bar, Aaron Sorkin and Quentin Tarantino get a co-writer credit as they have a fabulous homosexual rapid-fire conversation dripping with innuendo, all to punctuate the point that Paul is probably going to get his whole off of Jimmy later. Right, and they all like queers folk and, and name drop um, Russell T. Davies. Todd manufactures a problem that needs his attention at home, so he leaves Paul and Jimmy to it. And it goes back to Rovers where Billy is curious where Paul is. He's in town. Is he on his own? No. Who's None of your own? fucking business, Billy. You're the one who broke up with him. Who's asshole? Take a chill pill, Bill. Says Todd. <laughs> Which again, has Tarantino written all over it. What do you think of Am? Track and trace? No, we all think you're a prick. Billy worried that Todd was after Paul for himself, and this offends Todd to the point that he goes home for some moussaka and garlic toast. <laughs> But he's not really upset Ooh, about it at all. Sucka. Because this is his long game again. Right, yeah. You know how Todd likes a long game? Right, a really long that, game. That rarely works. Yeah. But eventually kind of works. But see, and see, this is going to backfire because he's making Billy jealous and making Billy realise that he still loves Paul. Because he doesn't That's want to make doing. a play for Billy. He wants Billy to make a play for, for him. For him, yeah. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> What? I think Billy is kind of happy just being single at the moment. No, why would why would Billy is very jealous? Yes, I know he's very jealous. But you know, after he broke up with Paul, he wasn't like, right, that's it. Where can I get my hole now? You know, because that's really not. Billy's really busy with his new job and raising Summer. So being sanctimonious. Yeah, <laughs> I love how the whole like teasing turns from Billy to Eileen and her moussaka. Right. Which is kind of representative of how those sort of conversations in the pub go. Right. You're yes. piling on somebody and then they 
And then all of a sudden it turns. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're the one that's getting, oh. And and wait a second. She's on the other foot here and this doesn't feel quite so happy. No. And comfortable now. No, because we want to talk about Sean and, and his couch arms. Right. That he's taking photographs off. Well, no, he's got them bookmarked yeah. on whatever whatever the equivalent of Wayfair is over there. <sighs> Probably grinder again. <laughs> Couch grinder. Both of those couches looked hideous. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, I, don't, Paul, think, I Paul don't think Paul's really going to get his hole. I think it might, but I don't think it's going to be anything that he's... No. He doesn't seem that... He doesn't seem that ready, and he doesn't seem that interested. Although, the Jimmy character is quite charming. Yeah. yeah. And it does seem to be quite into Paul. Yeah. Although, he seemed kind of into... Todd as well. I think he just wants to get he his just hole. Wanted to get his hole right. During a pandemic. I think, what was the bartender's name? Neil? Was it Neil? Yeah, I think it was Neil. I think if Paul wasn't interested, then Jimmy and Neil would have been getting it on mm-hmm. behind the bar later on. Yeah. Because that's how those things work. <laughs> Our penultimate storyline today is Kelly the Chin. Yay! On the Wednesday. This was... This is, this is just Do delightful. Do you know what? I really enjoyed this as well. Yes, me too. Kelly the Chin is hanging around outside the law office for Imran. She's got uh, out of her mind in the foster home and she needs to talk to him, so they arrange to meet in Roy's roles later. And he lets her buy him tea. Yeah. That's a bit of a prick move right there, isn't it? You're a lawyer. What? She's a school kid. <laughs> she buy offered. her tea. She offered. At the cafe, Kelly paints a very lonely picture and she brings up the t- topic of Imran and Toya becoming her foster parents again. <laughs> He explains again that it's not that simple. The authorities have to make the decision and her dad is still wanted for questioning on his sister's death. That's not a no then, says a hopeful right, Kelly yeah. the Chin. So what you're saying is, <laughs> there's a there's chance. There's a chance. <laughs> That's my Jim Carrey impersonation. It's, it's dreadful. For the record, it's quite close to your Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> it is not! <clears throat> and Imran looks even close. a little exasperated, but maybe he's warming her to... Warming up to her a little bit. Mm. On Friday, Inman is hiding from Kelly the Chin. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. He's like <laughs> plastered against the side of the building and Toya's like, what the fuck are you doing? So he has to explain to Toya what the fuck he's doing. And when he explains this, Toya has got her, um, her therapist hat on and she mm-hmm. calls this a classic case of transference. And you know that she's trained in the field when she uses the word classic. Yeah. After everything that happened with Rick the Chin, Toya thinks this is a bad idea and Imran agrees, except he clearly doesn't. And later, Kelly the Chin pounces on Imran as he leaves the law office. Hey mate, going to foster us. <laughs> she sees Toya and rushes over to introduce herself and the situation. We'd love to help, says Toya, dot, dot, dot. But Kelly jumps in and pretends that this means a yes and then proceeds right. to take the piss out of Imran when he shits himself a little bit. <laughs> when she's gone... Toya has taken an instant like to Kelly. Yes. And is now obviously on board. Yeah. Except they agree it would never work. Right. No, never. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. No chance. They'd never allow it. Later still, Inman who doesn't work at the factory turns up at the factory to talk to uh, Toya about Kelly. And Toya quite hilariously points out that she doesn't show up at the court to ask if <laughs> he wants marinated tofu for dinner. And, and couldn't this have waited until I got home? Right, yeah. He ignores this and ploughs on. Can we foster her? Can we? Like can, we? can we? Can we? Can we? Can we please? 
Toy is agreeable, but thinks the Rick the Chin thing is going to shit all over the idea. Call social services, she says. If they are happy, I'm happy. So Imran goes to Roy's Rolls where it looks like he gets prepositioned by Bernie, or propositioned. Preposition is something completely different. Right. He meets up with Kelly and tells her that the social services have agreed to some assessment sessions. It's early days, but it's a start. And Kelly is very, very, very appreciative yes. of this development. Yes. What a lovely storyline. Yes. Kelly has really grown on us as well. Because mm-hmm. at the beginning, we didn't like her because she was the one who shared those photos of Asha. Yeah. On social meds. She was a mean girl. Yes. Just a mean girl. Right, yeah. And she was two-faced. Right. And she was very she was very two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You know, she she had a trope and she stuck to it. And but, she was really just someone for Gary to be creepy with. Right. Yeah. And you know, over time she's really developed into into her own as as her as a multidimensional character who mm-hmm. has who has layers, uh-huh. like an onion, like, like a Shrek. Wants like an and ogre. needs. It's all about wants and needs. Right, yeah. And we come to relate to her and, we, and understand that, you know, she is just a kid. Yep. She's just 15. a kid who's been through hell. Fond of the E, but we'll forgive her that. Right. And even that, I'm Don't sure she's just, she's just... Bluster. It's right. Teenage bluster. Yeah. Her dad was a loan shark who's disappeared she doesn't know he's dead nobody nope. knows he's dead no nope. well two people gary, yeah three people know he's dead gary sarah and adam yeah adam knows doesn't he yeah yeah sarah told him remember right when he almost died when he had that near-death experience and anyway. sarah's like anyway anyway her mother is just the worst and yeah, is taken off mm-hmm. you know so and in the beginning, she was kind of presented as kind of this upper class, private school, snooty booty. Mm-hmm. And now she's become kind of, n- now we've realized that that's really not who she is and everything. And, and the yep. the There's blinds have come off. Vulnerability to her. Right. That makes her more interesting. And I quite, I'm quite looking forward to her living with Imran and, and Toya and what that relationship is going to look like. It's Toya's reaction to having her right. be just come up and introduce herself. Right. This is me, this is my situation sort of thing. And then uh, when she goes away, Toya's reaction of... Okay, yeah, I, I, I like I, her. I really like her. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely adored that. Yeah. <laughs> it was such good fun. Mm-hmm. It was a nice little awe moment. Yeah. Yep. And Imran is just... He's so cute. Him I mean, he's cute anyway. I'm hiding was brilliant let's be honest in fact did you see there were these really funny um like mother's day cards coronation street themed mother's day cards and and one of them was dear mum, i'm sorry dad isn't as handsome as imran (laughs) he's a handsome man he is handsome and he likes dogs anyway have we have we done gushing well imran doesn't charlie Charlie does yes okay moving on our final storyline this morning is team simon on Monday, Leanne is working from home again as Simon prepares to go off for college, taking the time to refresh her memories and Natasha is back on the scene. He wonders if Nick will be moving back and Leanne says not for a couple of weeks and when Simon asks why, she reverts to form and bites his head off. 
Natasha, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory to get Nick's confirmation that he'll be at Sam's Science Whatever later this afternoon, and they have a joke about novelty pyjamas that she got him. She leaves, and then immediately, Leanne, who doesn't work at the factory, comes into the factory with her argument boots on, wanting to know what Natasha wanted, what the deal with the fucking pyjamas is, and how cosy that yeah, you're still sleeping under the same roof with Natasha. Yeah, it's your own fault, Leanne. Right. <laughs> she assumed that he'd move in with Gail, which is, was one of the options that I cited last week. He points out that he wants to move home and she's the one putting a halt to that. She's ready to continue this interruption to the working day when her phone goes and whatever it is, it's urgent and safety isn't paramount, so can she borrow Nick's car? Nick goes to the bistro for a coffee. Uh, maybe they do frappuccinos, I don't know. Okay. Natasha is there having lunch and they chat about the conversation that he had with Leanne. It'll be back to normal soon, says Natasha. And Nick nods and gets goes to get his coffee while Natasha looks on in a way we sort of predicted would happen last week. Yeah. Meanwhile, Leanne is doing another drugs drop in Nick's awful car. She briefly counts the money in an envelope when there's a knock at the window and it's a copper. But Leanne's white and not pregnant and dressed well, so she's probably going to be fine. Yeah. And indeed she is. The copper is just asking about some carjackings that have happened recently and does she know anything about that? Yeah, has she seen anything suspicious while she's sitting in this car park alone? Counting money. Looking suspicious. (laughs) Leanne pleads assistance, saying that she's not from this part of town. So he gives her directions back to the motorway and the flustered Leanne stalls as she's trying to leave the car park. Have you driven this car before? The copper asks. No, I've just nicked it, says Leanne. Have a wonderful day, says the policeman. Yeah. And Leanne is allowed about her day. <sighs> <laughs> Harvey is at Leanne's. Very impressed with the place and her performance so far, but she needs a uniform to make her less conspicuous. Like a postie. Mm-hmm. She wants out, but he tells her that if she goes to the police, she'll get done for supplying along with Simon. Leanne rolls her eyes, knowing that she's fucked, while Harvey has a look around. He really is very taken with the flat. Mm-hmm. I and think it, he's a little bit taken with Leanne as well. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like someone's nicked one of Aggie's nurse uniforms off the washing line. And Leanne, who is exactly the same size as Aggie, is the culprit. For some it reason. It looks like she bought it. No. There was a scene where... Uh, it got stolen off the, the washing line. I must and have she, missed that. And she admitted to it. She stole Aggie's nurse uniform. How is Why is Aggie's nurse uniform hanging on a line when, when Aggie not is there. not there? Maybe she has some and she old laundry. What? Anyway. That doesn't make any sense. That's what happens. For some reason, Sam's science thing has taken place near Coronation Street and Sam, Nick and Natasha all have some fairly poor space-related chat on the street outside Leanne's window as they make plans for the weekend. And so when Leanne looks out, she sees this happy little family all standing six feet away from each other in the middle of the road. (laughs) On Wednesday, Leanne leaves an apologetic message with Nick and then gets a call from Harvey on her burner phone. He has another delivery for her and he hangs up on her when she starts to complain. I thought that was pretty funny though. Yeah. He's just... Doesn't give a shit. No, he doesn't. He really doesn't. Meanwhile, Nick is on the phone to Natasha, who's playing with her hair, when she says that she's downloaded Rocky Five and has got some hot dogs and peaches if he fancies a private screen then later on. Hot dogs and popcorn. Yeah, no, but it's funny You're if I say peaches. Dirty mind. He says sure, then quickly hangs up he and mentions dogs, to Toya how, how worried he is about him and Leanne ever getting back together again, and she promises to have a word later. She has some bridges to mend herself. Mm-hmm. When Leanne gets home, Harvey's shiny jacket is already there. Somehow. How did he get anyway? Seriously, there's a sign on the door downstairs. There's a sign on the door that says, don't let people in no who don't live here. Yeah. yeah. 
there's a sign on the door and yet people keep doing it but he's not only he's actually in the flat yeah did she let him in the flat it seemed like he was already there yeah yeah it's like he has a key or something he's or supposed to the, you know is a drug dealer and so is is good at these dealer. sort of things he throws her the drugs quite impressed that she's going to be a nurse and it looks like he's going to give her a ride to the drop-off point or something but no she's getting on the tram i think she wants this to be the last thing no chances harvey shiny jacket not unless you want to be a nurse for real and spoon feed simon after i'm finished with him it's not the best threat in the world but it does the job as they leave the flat, Leanne is covered up so it's not obvious she's wearing Aggie's uniform, but Toya sees her and Harvey leave together. Mm-hmm. So Toya meets up with Imran in the bistro and has no time to hear him sto- to hear his stories of bench pressing with Craig. It's good to know that he and Craig are still attempting to work out. Mm-hmm. She explains about seeing Leanne with a guy that she didn't want to be seen with, and Imran isn't convinced. He doesn't want to be seen with half his clients, and doesn't mean that he's getting his whole of any of them. He advises Toya to stay out of this. Messengers, he says, have short shelf lives. Later, Leanne is back via tram from the drop, and another passenger chases after her, thinking that she really is a nurse, and yet another passenger has collapsed and isn't breathing. Leanne runs away. Call an ambulance, she shouts. At the factory, Nick follows up with Toya, who explains that she didn't have a word with Leanne because she looked busy talking to some bloke that she's never seen before, but she's sure it's not anything to be worried about. Right, says Nick. He looks yeah. like he'll have a job concentrating on his, Good job, Toya. on his trend forecast binder later that's on his desk. Good job, Toya, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, not being the messenger. Right, I, within... I didn't see anything, with anything that was suspicious. I just saw... No. no, I just got held up and... Or she wasn't home when I went over. Yep. Right. <laughs> so many ways to not be the messenger. Natasha and Sam were in the community garden when Uncle David comes by. He calls Sam Stato, which is hilarious. And there was a character in the Fantasy Football League called Stato who does look a little bit like an older version of Sam. <laughs> Sam doesn't get it. Nata- Natasha. And, 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 and Sam very cutely asks Uncle David if he needs anything from the shops. <laughs> beer and ciggies yep and this is hilarious right yeah it sounds like okay and he's like no 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 i'm kidding natasha enthuses to david about how lovely it's been for sam having nick and her under the same roof and this seems to worry david that it looks like natasha's starting to think of this arrangement as permanent she insists not and he scratches his beard which means that he doesn't believe her (laughs) at the flat leanne has learned that the bloke at the tram station has died Harvey arrives and makes himself at home, taking off his shiny jacket as she tells him that she's out because the bloke at the tram station died. He's understandably nonplussed by this I still don't understand why she needs to dress up like a nurse in order to do these drops. To be more inconspicuous, that nobody's going to think a nurse is a drug dealer, is the thinking. All nurses are drug dealers. I mean, <laughs> whoa, not, all, all, not all nurses are drug dealers. I didn't Scoop, mean to say it that smuggy. way. But obviously nobody on this show has watched Nurse Jackie ever. Or, or even heard of it. <clears throat> then Nick calls. He's coming up. So Leanne tells Harvey to hide. Instead of... It, it, what? Nick's right at the door? <laughs> so he does hide, but he doesn't take his jacket. <laughs> and because it's so shiny, Nick's eyes are immediately drawn to it. That's not Simon's, he says. She tells him it's not what he thinks and that he needs to go right now. Really, right. he asks. Instead of saying, no, it is Simon's. I just bought it for him. He likes shiny things now. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Really? Asks Nick. And then he does leave, but not without the makings of a really fat tear in his eye. <laughs> what a drip, says Harvey when he comes out of hiding. 
the Natasha who doesn't work at the factory comes See? bursting into the factory and two Harvey her credit- has a thing for Leanne. Mm-hmm. That's why he won't let her go. Natasha bursts into the factory and to her credit, Toya at least tries to stop her. <laughs> I like how Toya's been the only one that's security conscious <laughs> at the factory. She needs to see Nick right now rather than waiting a couple hours and talking about this at home. She needs to ask him what the deal is between him and her. Nothing he says. No worries, she says, but she, you should probably I like move that, out. I like also that Toya is in the background for that whole scene. Right. But she's not. She doesn't look like she's listening in or, or watching this happen. She's, she's just, just there. doing her work mm-hmm. in the background. Later, Leanne gets a text with an address again and slowly she grabs her jacket, but she looks like she may be contemplating something other than following orders. And indeed, that's what she's doing. She goes to the cop shop and grasses Harvey the fuck up. Nick's pished and goes to see David. What can I do for you, asks David. And Nick explains about his impending <laughs> homelessness and David thinks this might be his doing, but Nick says it's, it's fine. Ben Price is not very good at acting drunk, is he? <laughs> it was hilarious. It was like... It was almost Ryan bad. It wasn't Ryan bad. I said almost. <laughs> He's more to worry about, <clears throat> like the block that Leanne was hiding in the flat, he says. At the cop shop, Leanne has been interviewed by DS Beardy. He's read her statement and has some questions. Leanne doesn't understand why they don't just go after Harvey now that she's told them everything. Well, it's a kind of bigger deal than that, says DS Beardy, and he arrests Leanne for being a drugs mule and for impersonating Aggie. See, I thought of him as DS Pretty Eyes. He's got very pretty eyes. On Friday, Leanne has spent a night in cells and put Simon off the scent by using her phone call to leave a message saying that she's got an early doctor's appointment or something and then she's going shopping. Mm -hmm. Later, Leanne's getting interviewed about Simon and Jacob and Harvey and so she begins with Oliver's death and moves eventually to how Simon wasn't a dealer, just a courier and how they didn't report any of this because they were terrified of the ramifications. Meanwhile, Simon, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory asking Nick if he's heard from Leanne. She says that she's at the doctor, but Simon is suspicious and she's not answering her phone. He explains about how Leanne hasn't been coping and how she lied about going to France, and Nick is strangely not all that interested in this. Well, he's kind of interested. Later, the copper isn't sure that he believes that Simon wasn't dealing, but they've been following this gang for some time and just need some more evidence to shut them down. And that's where Leanne comes in, and all of a sudden, this begins to sound like the start of a James Belushi movie. (laughs) A James Belushi movie. Co-starring Polly Shore and Rob Schneider and lots of other friends of Adam Sandler. If there was another way without breaking protocols, they'd do it. But the burner phone can't be linked to Harvey and they can't stake out their dresses or anything like that because of the plot. Either she helps or she gets charged right now. Mm-hmm. And they the, drag Simon in. Back at the flat, Nick is sorry that Simon has had to deal with this on his own. But there was that bloke yesterday. Mm. What bloke? There was no bloke, Simon is sure. Nick laughs as he cries and pretends it's not important that he suspects Leanne is getting a hole off of someone else, but Simon seems to twig that this is something more important than Nick's hole. Simon insists that Leanne still loves Nick, but she isn't right at the moment. Who was the bloke then? asks Nick. (laughs) Not that he's bothered or anything like that. Back at the station, Leanne has agreed to dress up in a toga and a wire and crash <laughs> Kappa Nike Reeboks spring mixer while figuring out which college punks are dealing in shrooms and avoiding the attentions of the over-amorous Dean. <laughs> as soon as she gets home, Harvey is instantly at her door demanding to know where she's been and why she wasn't answering her phone. Where's, where's Nick and Simon? Because they were in that flat. And then all of a sudden they're not in the flat and they... They were there waiting for Leanne to get home so they could confront her. And then they disappear? What happened there? This has happened quite frequently recently. What happened there? But it seems that they forget 
where someone was the last thing they were mentioned. Right. It's like all of a sudden, Nick and Simon, who are waiting for Leanne, disappear when Leanne comes home. And doesn't Harvey have anything else to do other than follow Leanne about? No, because he's got a thing for Leanne. Talk about micromanagement. She says that she has a major filing deadline for the lawyer's office and she always turns off her phone when she has a deadline. He tells her to get her arse out there and get them drug shifted or she'll be fetching Simon's body parts out of eight different skips around Manchester. Which was oddly specific. Mm -hmm. So Leanne is trying to conceal that she's wearing the Aggie outfit as she heads to the tram station but she's seen by Simon who's loitering in the community garden and looks like he's got his following at a discreet distance boots on. Mm -hmm. It's dark. And Leanne is in a will part of town. There are sirens in the distance and the clanging of something metal falling over somewhere. And it must be warm for the time of year because she unzips her coat to reveal her Aggie uniform. A shadow moves across her face. And predictably, it's Simon, who's following at a discreet distance boots, have led him straight to her. You think she's back in the game? And... <laughs> and challenges her about it and why she dressed like a nurse he realises that this is one of the drop off points that he had and large bald men are moving menacingly across the street Mm -hmm. she says that she's been looked after she begs him to go home she'll explain later so at home Leanne is furious that Simon could have blown everything she explains that she's working with Harvey to clear his debt and the police are involved now and she's turned informant that's a fancy word for grass says Simon if Harvey finds out he's going to kill us and Leanne keeps the eight Mancunian skips conversation to herself she's his mum he's as much of a son to her as Oliver and while she couldn't protect Oliver she'll protect him Simon's is scared though a little too little too late there Leanne there are more people involved in this than Harvey and they're not going to be happy she tells him that they may have to move away but she'll protect him and he says that he'll protect her it'll be okay she says and then she immediately starts crying with worry and that's how we end this week's episodes. Well, this is escalated. Oh, what a web we weave. Well, that was great. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, it's taken an escalation when now she's... She's... She's a stooge. As you batter the microphone in, in fury. She's, yeah, she's an informant. She's... Working for the cops now to get some, and that never that never ends well, does it? In movies, it never ends well. Not for the it's informant, always, no. It always ends badly for the informant, one way or the other. I don't really get why they couldn't just follow her at a distance. If Simon was able to follow and get to one of the right um, the buyers, I, I I don't think that regular protocol requires one of the couriers to wear a wire and all that kind of nonsense. Maybe it seems it seems that there's other ways to catch they don't have enough for dealers. a warrant or something. They don't have enough evidence. This is what they need right. is more evidence. Yeah. They need to follow her to one of these specific addresses. Instead of getting like a warrant for one of these addresses. For a gang that they've been following for right. some while and would you would imagine have some intelligence on. Right. Yeah. Who knows? This is just a way to get Leanne killed. <laughs> you think so? You think that's where this is heading? I don't know. It it it, it feels like but, you know, it feels like somebody's got point. to die in this, it right? It does feel like it, that this is becoming such a massive deal that if if nobody dies, right, or nobody is 
at least seriously injured. Right, and Leanne's yeah. been seriously injured before by right. criminals. Yes. R- remember going back to the Cormac days. Right, yes. Remember Nick when Nick got back, back in the show because mm-hmm. she got run over by a car. So she's been seriously injured. Yes. And had heart surgery, yes. which I think we keep on forgetting about. So <laughs> for the same thing to happen again, is just running through that story. So something... Either something yeah, a more mother's has love, to happen. She sacrifices her life for her son because they can't kill Simonov because Oliver just died. They can't kill both of her sons off. Can they? They can. <sighs> because people are sitting thinking, well, they can't kill both of them off. Then they can. If people are thinking that they can't do something, they absolutely or is, can. Or is Nick going to accidentally discover something and, and be collateral damage and be the one that dies? Or David... Because you know he's leaving Sofa Cinema Club. Who is? Jack P. Shepard. He's is not he? gonna yeah, this is his, he's not gonna do it next season. Oh. I've stopped it's gonna, listening it's to gonna that be the two of them. Recently. They're gonna oh. have to find a third. Hopefully a woman that they know because <laughs> Because reasons. But anyway <laughs> Have you seen the movie Sausage Party? <laughs> By the way, that was a terrible movie, but the last five minutes of it are hilarious. It was a terrible movie. But now, you know, Seth Rogen is too busy making vases and Getting and selling high. pot. And he's got his own pot company now. Good for him. Yeah. Anyway, we've, we can buy it here. We're, we're digressing we from, our, from our digression. Seth Rogen's marijuana here in, in Michigan. What a world. So he's, why is he leaving? Just he's tired know. of it or got I don't know. too busy? Who knows? He didn't say. Just said he wasn't doing it next season. I think he's joking. <laughs> that sounds like a joke. Anyway. Anyway. I'm kind of um, disappointed in, in how quickly Nick seems to be distancing himself from... Right, and thinking that Leanne is... But Leanne's been pushing him away for a while now. I can kind of understand this. With cause or without? In the beginning with cause, but at this point... I mean, we're three months after the whole Christmas in France right. debacle. Yeah, and Nick was there for her throughout the whole thing. She pushed him away. She pushed everywhere away. She did push him away, away an awful lot. That's true. You know, there, there's something's got to give. I can understand that. And this kind of gives him an excuse for something to give because he thinks that she's fooling around with somebody else. When Nick was looking to come in... I think she'd have been better just to let that happen. Let him come in. Let him mm-hmm. see Harvey. Because mm-hmm. there's no way that you see Harvey and you think, well, that's who Leanne's gone after. That's a vicious looking, <laughs> intimidating looking man. Well, Something- maybe she's into that now. As opposed to Nick. Who else has Leanne been with? Nick? Steve? Peter? Yeah, maybe, maybe she's, maybe she's, Turned a new leaf and she's going for big and, and bulky and Well she's had uh, Adam Ricketts in the past remember who wasn't also Nick. Right. They're eloping at the moment on, on a classic Corey. That's hilarious. They went to Scotland and Liz Barbie's like why would anybody go to Scotland? <gasps> and I'm like, Shame. How dare you Liz Barbie. Shame on you Liz. Shame. <laughs> People keep going to Scotland. <laughs> People do. I don't know why. 
They should just make the show in Scotland. <laughs> Move the whole street there. That's what High Road was for, and that doesn't exist anymore. It's a wee shame. I think River City still exists. Mm-hmm. And apparently the BBC may be making a new soap there. Who knows? Oh, but nobody's watching soaps anymore. Let's not go over that bit of non-Corey news again. Uh, uh, and Simon was very happy about not having to worry about this mm-hmm. for a week. And now right. he has to absolutely worry, worry about, about it. Worry about it again, yeah. Right. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I just think, yeah, I think you're right that siding with the police is rarely met. <clears throat> With success, even right. in even in James Belushi movies, no, and we've all seen one too many of them. Let's right. face it. Every time an SVU and somebody turns, unless it's like one of those perennial Law and Order SVU, oh, yeah. Special Victims Unit. Mm-hmm. That's the one with Ice T in it. Why am I disappointed in Ice? No, I'm disappointed in Snoop Dogg again. He's in the SpongeBob <laughs> movie. Of course he is. Don't you have enough money, Snoop Dogg? <laughs> no. He's selling fucking Just Eats or right? whatever. He's also selling Corona. The beer, not the virus. <sighs> it's an easy gig. It's a safe gig. You're selling your soul. You know, because lots of shit. people, because all of a sudden lots of celebrities have, have podcasts on iHeartRadio. Yes, because <laughs> Because it's a safe gig. I'm you still can not sure if that Ron Burgundy one's for real or not. Is that Will Ferrell that's doing that? I'm, I'm, not, I'm still not sure. so. Did you see Ron Burgundy is running for mayor of Lansing, Michigan? <laughs> okay, we're, we're, that is a joke. But that, there are actual yard signs for it. That was the week that was Coronation Street. A better yes. week this week. Yes. Much better. Much better. Much better. A few bits and pieces that were fun. Yes. And, and things that uh, were not fun, but were very well done. And more character driven. Yes. And that eight minute scene was, mm-hmm. was quite remarkable. Yes. Is that your moment of the week? That's the moment of the week. It's got to be the moment it's of the week. It's got to be. It's a shame yeah. because I kind of felt that the whole... Kelly stuff. Yeah, I yeah. really like that as well. Yeah, me too. But we've 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 proved that we have some Imran favoritism on this podcast. <laughs> so we have to spread the love we're and only the human. joy. <laughs> He's got golden retrievers. It's adorable. We gotta give it to. You're Fizz. talking about eyes. You talk about eyes. <laughs> he, he sees my soul every time he looks. Every time he looks at me, he sees my soul. Oh God! And you know what? He forgives me. <laughs> so, Fizz and Tyrone are our moment of the week. Yeah, I had the right button this time. I knew it was, it was a good mood for some reason. When I woke up this morning. <laughs> Hit the right button. <laughs> You're bored in moment of the week. Oh. It wasn't a huge amount that was born. Mm, um, burning, burning bacon. Oh, absolutely. That is our... Boring moment of the week. Another potential moment of the week was Addy and Amy. Right, yes. Because more of that, please. And Amy realising that she's in the Matrix. Addy just makes everything better, doesn't he? Every time he comes on, he's a revelation. I'm like, I love that kid. I'm I'm sitting up. Right. I'm like, I'm, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be funny. Mm-hmm. The kid's got it. Right. The kid's Come got on, it. Kid, let's see what you got. The kid's got it, Gav. <laughs> he's got it. He's got talent. Book him. 
If you've ever left your shiny coat in the back of a You're sofa... You're going to Broadway, kid! ...and left to tell the tale, let us know about it. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also an address on Skype for voicemail and on PayPal if you want to chuck a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar. We're at Quarry Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links to which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page of thetalkofthestreet.podbean.com. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes and no backsies. No, no going back into that review and editing it just no. because it wasn't as good this week. <laughs> no doing that. Gav is actually wearing some merch today. He's wearing the Locked in the Bistro with Simon Barlow t-shirt. Because remember when that was a thing? Which I think I was wearing yesterday. Huh? <laughs> really need to change this. Or on the podcast provider of your choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more. A talk on the street. Talk on the street. Cheerio. Jazzy.